0: The following is a presentation of the PTB Media Network. Parking the Bus podcast can be followed on Apple Podcasts and on Spotify. Or if you have an Amazon Echo by simply saying, Alexa, play the Parking the Bus podcast. Don't forget to check out the show's homepage at www.parkingthebusmedia.com. You're listening to the Parking the Bus podcast's continuing coverage of Euro 2020 here on the PTB Media Network. up, P.T.? Plop, plop,
1: plop.
0: What's up, Fade My Plays? How are you doing tonight? Welcome to another episode of Parking the Bus.
1: Yes, sir. Let's go.
0: All right. Another day with so much to talk about. I mean, every, every match almost has delivered in this tournament, and today was no different. Uh, plenty to talk about. Uh, what were your initial reactions at the end of the match? That
1: Denmark were robbed. No, I mean, uh, I felt so bad for them. Uh, You know, if you asked me before the game who I thought would win, it'd be England. Uh, You know, the bets that I made were the over two. uh, Mm -hmm. And I also bet that it would go to extra time. So got a real big cash on that one. But I mean, England are the better team. For the most part, they played like the better team in general. Uh, You know, there were definitely some moments where Denmark looked dangerous, um, you know, but in extra time, I have to say, England were pressing. They were pressing for a win. They knew that they could not let this go to penalty shootout. Yeah. Um, But again, like I said, I think England are the better team and would have got the win, but just... The way it happened, yeah. Yeah, And, and also like, you know... On this podcast at length, you know, I've talked about how much I do not rate Raheem Sterling as a world class player. Um, But at the end of the day, it also sucks for English fans that, you know, I I would argue most of them don't care. They're through to the final. That's all that matters. But it sucks for them that, you know, most of the commentary after the game was, was it a penalty? Was it not a penalty? When you look at the replay, it was an absolute dive. But, you know, and, and again, uh, Leo brought this up and, you know, he's obviously a massive city fan. So so I was saying, you know, Sterling, I hate seeing him dive all the time, blah, blah, blah. And Leo said, you know, well then if you don't give a penalty kick for it, then people wouldn't be diving. And I have to completely agree. I mean, what's Sterling supposed to do? He has nowhere to go. There's two players coming at him. If he feels any sort of contact, the way the game is played now, he has to go down. So You know, I mean, it sucks to watch him do it over and over again. But at the end of the day, he did what ultimately was the right call for trying to get his team to win. And when you go back and look at it from every angle, it's like, wow, like there was no contact. No, no. no. And so it sucks sucks for the Danish fans that they had to go out on something that's highly questionable. It sucks for the English fans that everyone's like, oh, you didn't really win. Mm -hmm. But, you know, at the end of the day, I think that this is the matchup, you know, that people expected and really wanted to see. I mean, I had a future yeah. on Italy and England to uh, be the finalist. So, mm-hmm. you know, I'm not complaining. But, yeah, it just my biggest takeaway was talk about a letdown for what up until then was an exciting, you know, great game.
0: Yeah, I, I agree. And I, I just want to preface by saying England were the better team and deserved to win. I think sometimes when we start to harp on the calls, we get misunderstood. Yeah. But that was the wrong call. (laughs) And And what's the point of
2: VAR if they constantly... That's my
0: frustration. Like, we've learned in this tournament that apparently nothing VAR can do to overturn these decisions. Because we've just seen one... Unless it's an offside, we've seen one after another just be confirmed by VAR. Whether whether you know you see the that the call was right or not and this was a case where i think it, it doesn't get more clear than that that this isn't a penalty kick yeah.
1: but also and and we've said this before in talking about other games uh but especially with um you know the nba finals going on right now we see that a lot it's just an extra punch in the gut you know mm-hmm. it's an extra fucking kick in the dick when the decision is made at a time where you have to know as a referee, you just made the outcome of this game. Right. Like the idea that in extra time you straight away point to the spot. Fair enough. Like, cause when it comes to a penalty, you kind of got to do that, I guess. Mm-hmm. But, and then they review it and they made the conscious decision looking at it from all the angles we saw that said, this is not a penalty to say, you know what, we're going to just hand, we're going to make the decision about who wins this game for mm-hmm. you, and we're going to say it's England.
0: Yeah, it really appears that way, especially to a neutral. I know an England fan isn't mm-hmm. going to care, but, and then, and they'll remind everyone how many times they've been on the wrong side of decisions and how unlucky they've been. So, yeah, fair, fair play to that. But y- you just watch it, and I mean, We haven't had VAR very long, but I remember when referees used to go look at something like that and decide for themselves rather than waiting for someone to tell them in their earpiece whether or not they got it right. And I think that he's the one that made the call. He should be the one to look at the video and decide whether or not he made the right call, in my opinion. It would have taken a little longer, but I think if he still, again, I said this the other day, if he still looks at it and feels he made the right call, I'll live with it then. Exactly. Because I know I mean,
1: he's looked and at it. That's exactly correct. That is exactly correct. There has to be some sort of like. It seems like the rules for VAR change every single game, mm-hmm. and does. that drives me insane. Yeah, no
0: doubt, no doubt about it. But again, um, the other thing I was thinking, because of course, once you go to the post game, you know the the coverage. If it's an if it's an English pundit or a, actually an English, because the Scottish pundits were were thinking much differently, uh, of course, it real bad. But it, it, it's like the English pundits saw this one way, and everybody else saw this completely the other way. Now, I say, how do they react if this is Sunday and that's Chiro hmm. Immobile who gets a penalty like that in extra time? Yeah. They call or, or Federico Chiesa. They're calling him a cheat.
1: I mean, and you know, cuz I mean, they're so
0: vicious towards other to, towards foreign players that get
1: these kind of penalties. Well, and that and that's like the remarkable thing that I've noticed is, you know, in in watching the last few matches with England in the quarterfinal and the round of 16 and today, I've been paying much closer attention to how their forwards play in specific Raheem Sterling and mm-hmm. Harry Kane. And they are, hmm, I'm not trying to say they've been bad in any way. I think especially Mm -hmm. Kane today was fantastic, Mm. Um, but they have been playing for a lot of free kicks and Harry Kane, I would say, isn't diving in the box. Whereas Sterling, I mean, it seems like as soon as he's Mm -hmm. in the box, you know, he's going to dive, but Harry came today. I mean, the amount of fouls that he played for, being in nowhere in space and just shielding the ball until he gets fouled, and then you know we're we have a free kick for England from forty yards out, and it just seems so interesting to me this style of play that Gareth Southgate has them doing that is very, very deeply rooted (laughs) in trying to score the way that a team that you would think is. You know, the underdog is trying to yeah. score a back, soak up pressure and then score yeah. off some random free kick or some, uh, you know, um, break. So I, I just think it's, you know, again, I don't get it, but they're in the final. So who am I to say anything? Of course. I just I am shocked to see yet another English performance that is wildly underwhelming with all the talent they have. And I think it also exposes that Ukraine game for what it was in terms of the Ukraine just being absolutely shocking Mm. in defense that day rather than England being good because three of their goals were just free headers, you know what I mean? Like, especially that Harry Maguire goal for number two. It was just like, he's in acres of space and he's the best header of the ball on the pitch. Like, how does that work? Um, So, yeah, I just – I was very – underwhelmed by England's performance yet again I'm interested to see how they'll fare against the Italians who are you know a step up in class from anyone that England have played I think Mm -hmm. England will get it done hopefully um but yeah I mean another thing that I will say and again not I'm not harping on Sterling specifically just kind of in general but the interesting thing is that in the first half Sterling had a couple of chances that you know Unbelievable he didn't put away. However, he was very highly involved in the England goal, which was an own goal. Uh yeah, there you go. I mean, perfectly said. Um yeah, we, from- uh,
0: we have a comment here from one of the viewers, SGPEPL. Uh he says Kane shouldn't be looking for the ball 30 yards out from goal. Mason Mount isn't productive at all. Yeah. Um, yeah, exactly. He was dropping very deep. Um, and he has this tournament a lot of times not getting the service in the, you know, in the area of the pitch where he can do what he does, which is score goals he's had yeah. to drop. And I mean, Eng- England's first goal comes from him dropping and hmm. sending in, uh, who, was it uh, Kyle Walker he sent in? I don't remember who he played in that then might have even been Sterling. Sterling was on the end of it. So I don't remember who who centered the ball that led to the own goal, but I know Kane made the the original vertical pass, in behind that, that player ran onto. I don't remember if it was Kyle yeah. Walker or if it was Mason Mount. I don't know, but uh, he's making a good point. It was Saka. Thank you, the viewer said it was Saka who who um, who played that across.
1: Yeah, um, but when you but when you watch that back, and this is my point, mm-hmm. and what I think is so interesting is when you watch the England goal back. It was you know decent play from England to get it going. Don't mm-hmm. get me wrong, but when you see it in slow motion. You see Sterling know that he's not going to get to the ball and drag his legs across the defender and put his arms up flailing and dive.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And then to see that in the first half, and the referees are supposed to discuss this kind of thing at halftime, and then that is the exact thing that you decide the game upon, giving him a penalty for mm-hmm. a similar dive. It's just that is insane to me that you had an example in the first half that led to a goal where a player literally threw himself over another player because he knew he wasn't going to get to it. And then, sure enough, that's exactly what happens in extra time. You give it, and there's the game. Yeah. Um, yeah. I,
0: I liked the approach that Denmark took. Now I said last night that the only way they had a chance was one to keep England from scoring first and eventually getting a, you know, a go-ahead goal of their own. I thought... I thought that um they did exactly that, you know, that that free kick though. We we cannot let Jordan Pickford off off the hook well, on this one. God, he
1: was in the center of the fucking goal. It,
0: you cannot let and everybody's giving him a free pass on this one. And first of all, he goes at this with the wrong hand. <laughs> and uh you know, it was a nice. You know, it was well hit, but it was down the center basically. It was yeah. just slightly off center, and you expect a goalkeeper at this at this level to make that save. In my opinion, it was from pretty, pretty far away as well. It was the second farthest out goal of the entire tournament, mm-hmm. second only to um, to Schick's goal against Scotland. So, again, um, Denmark did exactly what they had to do to start uh, this match, and I think they had the right approach if they had held on to halftime i think we might have a different might have a different second half perhaps maybe a little more panic could set in in england but they got that equalizer before the half they were able to settle down and yeah. dj's united here saying to, for us to blame the refs not sterling i think we kind of already <laughs> did that we started off by talking about the refs early on and we got oh, yeah. another comment here. Denmark looked like a team who traveled all around Europe while England have played 5 at home. I agree 100%. They just went from Copenhagen to where did they play in St. Petersburg I think in yeah. one game then in to Petersburg. then to Amsterdam, to Baku. Now they're in London. Yeah, they absolutely had a lot more uh, as we say in the US a lot more mileage in their legs um, yeah. and literally having traveled so much further and you know I don't I don't think this was necessarily the intent, but the only thing better than organizing the tournament in your home country is just organizing your matches in your home country, which Mm. is what England was the deal. England got in this. They only had to organize essentially the England matches. I know a few others were also played at Wembley, but for the most part. They only <laughs> worried about England's yeah. matches. England played, like we said here, they've played five out of six at home. They'll have had seven out of uh sorry, six out of seven at home when it's set and done. Hmm. Whereas no other host team even came close to that many matches at home. And um, we even saw teams win their group like Italy and then have to go play in another country while they hosted two other teams from other groups. Yeah. So it is interesting how that played out. I think in the future, if they go back to this this format, I would propose that the team that hosts the final stages should not be hosting the group stages.
1: Yeah, so well, if, if you're gonna host the, the, the semifinals, the, Jesus. right,
0: right. And so, I mean, but this is, you know, this was kind of an experiment. This was Michel Platini's doing years ago, and by the yeah. time he was outed, it was too late to, to undo. <laughs> so, <laughs> I think actually they've done a great job. Um, I think they've done a great job organizing this tournament given everything they had to deal with and we got another yeah. comment here saying England took the matches from Dublin so that's why it's ended being okay that's fair enough um I do know Dublin and Bilbao pulled out late um of course the Bilbao matches were moved to Seville to what everyone's calling the worst pitch in the entire euro uh-huh. so yeah some things had to be moved around I I suppose he makes a good point there so it may not have been designed for them to get this much of a home a home uh, Yeah, advantage, but it really it has worked out really nice for them to play at Wembley. If they were the if they were hosting the whole tournament, I have to believe they'd move a little bit more around the country and not get all their games at Wembley like they have. And again, that's
1: not that's not England players' fault. No, no, not in
0: not at all. It's just an interesting way that everything
1: has shaped up in this tournament. Hundred percent, yeah. And and (laughs) I think also the other thing is we saw you know whether it be the travel or just kind of the emotional toll, physical toll, whatever it may be, but definitely in the last 15 minutes of regular time, Denmark, I mean, they look tired. And then in the, you know, uh, entirety of extra time, they just look like they had expended all energy and just had very little left in the tank. And you could see that mm-hmm. when they try and push everyone forward and then England would clear a ball and their players just had no ability to get back. And, you know, luckily no, uh, no clinical finishing was done uh, from the England side to get it to three, one or anything in extras. But yeah, it was just, you could tell the team was pretty well, uh, pretty well gassed. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. And you could see it. And I know the penalty might be controversial, but, it was building up for 10 15 yeah. minutes where you could see a penalty was coming because they were running at these tired backs in the box every single yeah. time and it, I don't know I lost count of how many times Denmark just timed their tackles perfectly every well, and- single time they just got there at the right time until you know the the one that was called a penalty but it, it was like but you could see that they were they were fresher they were quicker that yeah. Denmark is slowing down that they're tiring and mm-hmm. and England having the wherewithal to to exploit that and run at at them in the area, and I thought that they should have pushed their line up a little bit. I know they needed to sit deep, but it, when you're sitting like that deep, you got to get out of your penalty area. So at least if they run at you, the foul is outside the area, and you have a chance yeah. to defend it.
1: Well, and also, I mean, the other thing is just in that in that exact same vein, it seems like they kind of you know I, and i agree that the ukraine game was not a good representation of the kind mm-hmm. of you know games that they would have today and in the final but it seemed like they regressed it's like what they were doing in the ukraine game was pushing people forward getting that pace up the wings which is what everyone has been saying it's like gareth southgate caved to public pressure to set a more attacking lineup lo and behold they win 4-0 granted i put most of that on the ukraine less on mm-hmm. england but then today they reverted back to that and conceded their first goal of the tournament from a you know relatively soft foul and then some terrible goalkeeping but a decent shot don't get me wrong i mean there was right. a lot of decent and dip on that but you know it just it seemed as though they kind of forgot that they had scored uh six goals in their last two games mm-hmm. before that and like you said you i felt that england deserved a open play goal or you know Mm -hmm. some kind of really harsh penalty that was crazy and you know he just clattered into him because I thought the entirety of extra time that England was just running all over him I mean Denmark had nothing left you could tell a goal was coming it just sucks that it happened you know from that I think they Mm -hmm. would have gotten it anyway so
0: yeah and you could see England wanted no part of a penalty shootout today unlike the match we saw yesterday with both teams Coming to that conclusion and being okay with it as yeah. the extra time wore on today, that Which was not
1: is odd case. for Spain. So,
0: mm-hmm.
1: yeah, why would they yeah given penalty their penalty record? record, yeah,
0: but and lo and behold,
1: who bricks it?
0: Yeah, uh, anyway. again, all right. So, uh, looking at some statistics from this match, so, uh, England had the better of the possession about 60 to 40. Uh, mm-hmm. Take away a few decimals. Twenty total shots for England, six for Denmark. Fifteen chances created for England to four for Denmark. And then uh, looking at the pass totals, England is getting up. They're not in Spain territory, but they're connecting as many passes as anybody else. Yeah, they they got six hundred thirty-seven passes. That's high uh, in this tournament
1: backwards right that's true in
0: their own half between the two center halves and yeah Yeah. exactly um Denmark connected 432 I thought Denmark at times was in control Mm -hmm. and I think they picked their their moments well and I think they knew as we could see that they didn't have a lot left in the tank to uh especially to go the extra 30 minutes in this one. And mm-hmm. I they knew they couldn't go all-out attack the way, for example, Spain yesterday had to, right? Mm-hmm. And, and I was waiting yesterday for Spain to just gas out, and they actually held on longer than I expected before mm-hmm. they just couldn't push forward anymore. But I think Denmark – you can see a intelligence and, a, and an experience in that side mm. that they know how to buckle down in these big matches and wait for their moments and and limit the mistakes. Um, unfortunately, it comes down to an own goal and a, a missed penalty kick that rebounded right back to him. Talk about and a little bit so of good unlucky. fortune. It's like Casper <laughs> Schmeichel did everything right except he parried it right back out in front for... For Harry Kane to his credit, didn't stand and look at it either. He uh he no. crashed the rebound and, and I think he knew it was saved from the moment he kicked it because he followed it immediately.
1: Yeah. And and also, I mean, you know, you have to be there to score it. And I don't begrudge mm-hmm. that, but I think part a little part of the blame has to be on Casper Schmeichel for you know I mean, parry it away or catch it. Yeah, don't try anything. and do one or the other. You know, it's like it, it. was very clear he hadn't made up in his mind what he was going to do uh, mm-hmm. after he saved it because yeah, he didn't try to grab onto the ball, didn't try and push it away. No, literally, just put his arms out to block it and let it rebound. Yeah. Straight away. Right. Yeah, it, it was
0: unfortunate because uh, it was actually a really poorly taken penalty and didn't deserve yeah, the goal in that, in that in that sense. In it. You know. <laughs> um, but in the yeah. end, of course, England get it done, like we said. Um, they have more in every statistical category. They, they do deserve to win. It's just the game gets marred and gets, you know, gets blurred by yeah. the way it happened, unfortunately. And, exactly. of course, if you're Denmark, you uh, the Danish players are so polite. If that <laughs> was another country, that referee would have been surrounded and they would have walked him to the literally walked him to the var, to the var screen, or they would have pressured him into looking at it himself.
1: And the Danes, you know, kind of just accepted it. Yeah. And which is very odd because, you know, I don't know. Maybe, maybe Vestergaard thought that he clipped him, you know. And again, I understand it's in the box, you're tired, but I just it it's also equally part and terrible and this again goes back to saying i don't blame sterling as much as i blame the refs even though i personally don't like sterling
2: mm-hmm.
1: um but in real time it looked like a penalty and yeah we have this disadvantage slash slash advantage of we can go back and look at all these angles and super mm-hmm. slow-mo high def and see oh it's not a penalty yeah but that only fuels the fire of outrage for those who you know it's screwed and pleasure for those who benefited from it yeah so like that's another tough thing because genuinely i was watching it and i saw it and i'm like up penalty and it Mm -hmm. wasn't until the third angle where you see straight on that his feet don't actually touch anyone is yeah "Ah, okay you know so i think that's also a tough thing that the ref saw what we saw called it and then var has to say one billion percent you got it wrong and even though I think they did, you know, uh, it's it's hard to blame anyone there.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And I also thought it was a penalty in live action. Mm-hmm. And then after seeing a re- each replay, I was less convinced, basically. I was already doubting it, the first replay. And yeah. then you see another angle, then another one, and I'm starting to say, I'm I'm pretty confident that there was no contact there. Yeah. But – unless there was a gust of wind or something but <laughs> 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 but yeah i mean again if that had happened against england we'd be having a whole different conversation exactly and i i think that's only fair to say because that's the truth the, it, there's just this thing that goes around this team and the coverage and the fanfare that they're hyper-analyzed we look at all the games and we analyze the matches. but England matches get hyper-analyzed not just by their own press but by everyone else's too because there is just this fascination with this culture and this this mm. uh following for this team that just goes to tournaments and everyone's waiting for them to to implode somewhere yep. and now they're going to the final and you know everyone's jumped on the bandwagon Mo- majority of people believe they've already won it um, yep. you know, they're, they're singing. It's coming home more and more and more. This song was off the air for 25 years, and it's resurrected <laughs> during this
1: tournament, which is hilarious. But yeah, <laughs> it was. You know, I I think they're going to win it, and it's you know, interestingly, I thought it was going to be a better matchup than now. I believe it will be because mm-hmm. I just thought Spain exposed a lot of the problems yeah. with Italy's defense and. Not that there is ticky tack or anything, but England kind of press forward very similarly to how Spain yes. do in the sense mm-hmm. that they're not—it's not long balls over the top, it's not pacey mm-hmm. wingers or anything. It's effective passing through the midfield, and even though I think that's the wrong way for England to play, that's the way they've been playing and the way they've been winning, and that is what Spain did. And arguably, I'd say Spain looked better for the ninety minutes that we saw in regulation. Sure.
0: Hey. And you see the way the majority of England's goals come. They're on the overlap. The back yeah. overlaps the, the winger, and he, and then it hammers it across the face of goal. It's either a header, or it's a tap-in, or, or it's an own goal. But a lot of their goals come from, from the ball being driven low across the face yeah. of goal. We saw yesterday how Spain was able to get in behind Italy's back line, or mm-hmm. was able to run at them. All right, especially the second half when they had when they had uh, Gerard Moreno and Alvaro Morata in and Danny Olmo dropped into that number 10 role. He started playing those vertical passes into the gaps. The yeah. forwards were running onto it. By the time the defenders turn, you know, they're gone. And uh, I think England will have the opportunity to do the same thing. What do you think of Italy's attacking play yesterday? Uh, it was very limited. <laughs> um, yeah. They countered. I mean, obviously the 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 play that, that delivered the goal was their best play of the match. Yeah, they, and it was a great quick counterattack where Donnarumma managed to get the ball into play, and it took 13 seconds to go from mm. Donnarumma to the back of the net. But for the most part, there wasn't a lot of attacking play yesterday. No, I it was very cagey. It was very. They didn't want to lose their shape. They took very few risks yesterday. Mm. And I think losing Spinozola and replacing him with Emerson changes the whole dynamic of that back line. And they lost so much of that attack down the left side. And I think that's why you ended up seeing Insigne get, get moved central just to get him on the ball because they were having more success. Spain was having success taking care of that, those wide channels and, Hmm. Part of it was because you don't have the the back coming in to overlap and to create those those um, man advantages in those key areas and and to give your team, you know, the upper upper leg on it. But um, overall, I think Italy was efficient. Obviously, they scored with the opportunity they had, yeah. um, but it was very calculated and not the way they've been playing up to this point.
1: Yeah, I think it was it was interesting to see exactly what you said in terms of there just wasn't much of it. Which is mm-hmm. so odd because until yesterday, they had the most XG uh, of any team yeah. mm-hmm. so far in the tournament. Um, but also, it—I mean—it can't be understated the loss of Spinazzola. I mean, that mm-hmm. man has done himself some favors in this tournament. Um, mm-hmm. Unfortunately, I hear that uh, hamstring injuries are kind of a common thing with him, which may the hold Achilles, back. yeah. Yeah, his Achilles, yeah. excuse me. But yeah, I mean, he was unbelievable. And I just don't know now how are they gonna get these, you know, threatening balls because they it's just been overlaps for them the whole tournament. And then we saw without it, it's just I think I think this is like England written all over it. Yeah, I think Italy's gonna play similar to how
0: they played against Spain. Um, again, losing a key guy like that, I think is enough to throw off the whole dynamic of how the team plays, because now you've got four slow in the back. Um, you know, you have Bonucci and Chiellini who give you everything they have, but pace is not one of those things. No. And, you know, you lose your, your, your speedy outside defender, who can speak as as good as he was going forward, was just as good as a one-on-one defender and just as good at tracking back and getting back to help protect those center backs. So I think you're going to see Italy take less chances. They're probably going to sit in a little deeper, wait for the counter and then try to use their dribblers, Chiesa Insigne to get into spaces and give themselves opportunities. We'll see if they continue to go with Ciro Immobile. He, uh, he keeps getting pulled off earlier and earlier. Yeah. But um, I have to think that, that Mancini will play the way he's been. He's not going to make a change, a massive change now in the final. They may yeah. just tweak uh, how they set up, but I think their approach will probably be closer to what it was against Spain than what it was, you know, against Belgium for that, for example.
1: Yeah. I mean, and and you kind of nailed it for me and my analysis so far. I mean, I haven't gotten too deep into it because you know, the match is only just finished today. But where I see the biggest Mm -hmm. disparity is that back line. I mean, you have Chiellini and Bonucci who are, you know, the wrong side of 35. Yeah, And these are your players that are supposed to be stopping Harry Kane and Mm -hmm. Jack Grealish and Raheem Sterling and, you know, Saka and Rashford and uh, Sancho if he ever gets a minute. You know, I mean, I don't see that versus, you know, the Manchester back line of you know, Manchester United's Harry Kane and Luke Shaw and then Manchester City's Kyle Walker and John Stones. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're young, they're strong, they're hungry. Luke Shaw and uh, Walker are unbelievably fast. And you see it today. I mean, again, I'd say arguably Luke Shaw was, if not the man of the match, one of the, you know, top three players on mm-hmm. the pitch today, just in the danger he provides down that left wing. And that seems to be a lot of the success that they find because that's also where Sterling's coming in most of the time. So yeah. I just... I'm very, very interested to see how Italy tries to break that down without overlaps and then mm-hmm. also going the other way, how their back line in any way can keep up with, you know, all the players that England has yeah. for their attack, whether or not they play that way. I mean, you know, for me, it makes so much sense for England to just push the boat out in the first you know 20 minutes and just attack, attack, mm-hmm. you know, go at them, leave gaps in the back because you have players that are fast enough to cover, but just show Italy this strong offensive ability early. And then that'll have them mm-hmm. run And if you get a goal, then I mean, you just revert to what England does best, which is sitting back. But I mean, it's, it, I don't think without Spinozola and it's a huge downgrade to um, I forget his name, who is, no, thank you. Who's playing left back. I mean, the downgrade makes england for me a much much bigger threat to italy's defense mhm yeah and we saw yesterday he brought
0: on uh, taloy and mm-hmm. played him on the right and moved di lorenzo to the left maybe that's also a, a possible backline that an adjustment he he makes um, be very, very interesting to see what they what each team does because Southgate has changed something every match. So yeah, we, <laughs> there'll be some kind of change in the in the final, and it it could turn into into a chess match if if Italy can stay organized, keep the ball you know keep the play in front of them, not let themselves get turned to facing their own goal. And if Donnarumma is on his game and playing a little higher to to make up for that lack of Of pace in the back they could be controlling the game without the ball and then you could really have a chess match to see which team tries to to expose
1: the other one first yeah i mean and i don't know i think the longer it goes the more i like italy and that Mm -hmm. i feel has been every match that i've watched england so far the longer it goes without england leading the more I think they're going to lose, not just because, yes, we're getting closer to full time, but more because they haven't shown that ability to, when they have 20 minutes left and have to score, mm-hmm. they do. And that's that we saw a glimpse of it today in extra time. They were yeah. pressing, they were fighting. But, yeah, while that is exactly what I want to see from them in the first 15 minutes of any game, mm-hmm. in the last 15 minutes of any game, if they're, you know, tied or losing that was against a Danish team that had no legs left that I mean were much uh, lower competition than Italy will be so I think for England the talk has to be from Gareth Southgate we need to be leading in the first half and sit on it
0: yeah I I agree with that and you know he doesn't want to be in the situation he was in today where they fall behind Um, (laughs) it's going to be harder
1: Yeah, I I will say this. I mean, again, I agree with you. I think there was a lot had to happen for that free kick to go in. Um, Mm -hmm. It was a brilliant free kick in terms of pace and dip, but Pickford should have saved it. I think he is no way should be the number one keeper for England, but whatever. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I do think that they kept their cool. You know, they didn't look as though, oh, God, like we need to get a goal back. We need to hurry this up or anything. They kept – composure they got their goal they were pressing the entire time that they were down you know i liked seeing that and it made me confident and it's interesting i'm looking at the lines right now mm-hmm. and to lift the cup you know to win mm-hmm. the euros italy is minus 105 england is minus 115 i'm surprised that it's that close i think you're gonna see heavy money coming in on england so if you oh think yeah
0: without gonna,
1: a doubt yeah get that bet in now but even on the money line England plus one sixty five and Italy plus one ninety five. The over under is two plus one minus one ten either way. But I'm just shocked that after what we saw Italy do, that I think the only reason England aren't bigger favorites here is just because of the fact that today they let Denmark in Mm -hmm. and laid it into extra time when if you watch the eye test of that game, said England was in control. 80% 80% of the time and, and look good doing it. Yeah.
0: Yeah, and as as we get closer to game time, like you said, more money is going to be thrown on England and it's going to yeah. inflate in their get favor. That in and get that in now. Get that in now. Also, as the game gets hyped, I think people are really going to get behind England. The yeah. media does a great job of, of telling you the story. And they, they are like... They've now taken out the Cinderella, if you will. They've taken out everyone's favorite, you know, every neutral's favorite team. I think they're they're they want to obviously be the story of this tournament now, and that's mm-hmm. by bringing it home. Although Casper Schmeichel's comment was really funny. Has it ever been home? He said.
1: <laughs> he, he
0: pointed out that they won the World Cup and not the Euros.
1: <laughs> yeah, and uh, but yeah, I, um, I agree with you. I think also though people are you know and maybe today will change things a little bit, Mm -hmm. but I think people will also be rooting for England because of the way Italy has played, especially in the quarterfinals, but just their, you know, diving and time wasting and all that bullshit that people hate watching. The neutral fans will lean more England because of that. And Italy is famous for that kind of bullshit Mm -hmm. anyway. Um, You know, maybe with, what happened with Sterling and all that mm-hmm. today, uh, that'll change. But, you know, I, I also see that from a football perspective, England is kind of this, you know, rough and tumble, yeah. lovable underdog, even though they're not in any way an underdog versus right. you know, the powerhouse of history that Italy is in international competitions and especially the Euros. Uh, you know, we'll see, we'll see how it goes, but I think you're going to see Heavy, heavy line movement uh, towards England. Yeah it's it's gonna be
0: a it's gonna be a good game. I think it's gonna it it always is when you get to a final. Plus you got two major footballing nations, two of the biggest, two of the most supported. Um, It's it's like a made for TV final.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that's true. Literally,
0: and um, these games you still have to play them. They can go any way. You know, ninety minutes. I mean, Denmark was close to taking this to penalties and probably winning if they get to the penalties yeah. today. So it's way too soon to to start making the you know the parade reservations and to start start you know um, ordering the champagne, which I think some of the England fans have have been doing really since they beat Germany. But yeah. <laughs> but um. You still got to play the match,
1: you know. You still got to play the match, and... Yeah. and and there comes something with okay. So England has lost their last, you know, four majors in the semifinals, mm-hmm. uh, right. and five if you include the Nations League a few years mm-hmm. ago. And then you know, Italy. This is nothing new for them. So right. that that may be an element as well of just you know you have players that are experienced at this level. Across the board uh, for Italy and zero with England. There's no England player that has ever played in an international final because they mm-hmm. haven't been there. Right. So, and there may be, I don't know, a bit of a letdown spot because of the win today and they got over this hump of like never being able to make it out of a semi final and right. all that kind of stuff. I, I personally will be betting on England. Um, but yeah, it's just man, I, I really, really see this, you know, narrative of England being able to win and showing that they can win. And if they lose, it'll be through some, you know, they just aren't able to finish for 88 minutes and then Mm -hmm. on a counter attack, Italy sneak one in, you know, something like that. But I believe England to be the better team, you know, by quite Mm -hmm. some distance without Spinazzola.
0: Yeah. That may, that changes everything. The Spinazzola, um, injury that really changes it, where it, Italy is going to have to find out where they're even going to attack this England team and how they're going to go about it. And like you said, one of their biggest weapons was Spinazzola, Spinozola and he he's out now. So I'm wondering if he's going to make any slight adjustments in the, in the yeah. positioning of the midfielders, or if he's going to stick to this traditional four, three, three, because in this last match, Jorginho was not able to, to distribute the way we have seen him do in the previous four matches. So I have to think that the, the Italian coaching staff is going to be watching film and trying to decipher how do we get, you know, how do we get more touches to Insignia? How do we get more touches to Jorginho? You know, um, Verratti's covering too much mileage. He's, he's, he's running, you know, covering too much space. They have all this data to analyze, and I'm interested to see just how they're going to adjust to each other. And I have to say that, that England are obvious favorites. Um, yeah. M- if you're talking about money, the, the money is on England, but yeah. um, I'm hoping for, for I'm going to hope for Italy to win. Um, not nothing personal. Just, uh, just want to see it stay in a Latin country. Uh- <laughs> 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 just a, a little bit of that, but um i i'm my head is telling me england's gonna win and my heart's telling me italy so just have to watch how they do it and and see which way this one goes um
1: are you gonna be available to come on sunday night i should be yeah absolutely it's gonna be uh it's gonna be a long day i think yeah uh, it's gonna be a pretty pretty thirsty day for me i have uh Big, big family and a bunch of friends. Uh, uh-huh. They're all English that are going to be absolutely losing their minds uh-huh. on Sunday. It'll be fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so we'll uh, look forward
0: to that. That'll be the last Euro 2020 episode where we're yeah. coming down to the last day
1: somehow. Oh, because I wasn't able to <laughs> say it yesterday or yeah, yesterday, I have to say I am a Manchester United fan. I have been since I was five years old, uh-huh. but I, I, I hate Chelsea. It Mm -hmm. drives me insane that they are champions of Europe. However, I would have preferred them a bajillion times over Manchester City. Uh Uh, However, as much as I hate Chelsea and every player that plays for them by nature of that, that was the coldest motherfucking penalty I have (laughs) in my life from Jorginho. I mean, that was (laughs) so raw. Like Watching that, I literally was like, just, flabbergasted with the cheek and just, I mean, that was fucking so baller. I've never seen a penalty that was that ice cold, just looked him off the other way and taps it in. I mean, uh, (laughs) I just like literally I I could not stop talking about it yesterday. I was just so enthralled with how he absolutely – wrecked it made uh what's his face look like an absolute dickhead that's who yeah i mean (laughs) what an unbelievable pk and especially with all the pressure on your shoulders oh of course do that like not even the one two three but like you win it with this Mm -hmm. you do that shit like ah what a penalty yeah what a penalty
0: yeah, that was a fun, a fun game. Both semifinals really lived up to the bill Yeah, so.
1: I mean, great games. And, God, I mean, ESPN winning with all oh, these freaking extra
0: time. time games. Jesus. Oh, big time. Let's just hope we don't get disappointed in the final now and get some kind of snoozer. But I don't think so. With these two teams, I think we're going to get a good final.
1: Yeah.
0: And uh, may
1: the best team win. Absolutely. I hope so. I hope so.
0: All right, make sure you follow him. He's at Fade My Play. I'm at PTB underscore media. Make sure you hit the subscribe button down there and hit the little bell next to it so you get alerted when we go live. Uh, I'm planning to do a Copa America show Saturday, but that may be really late at night, so it probably won't even go on live. It may go straight to the podcast, follow the social media, and I'll keep you up to date on that. And until then, Who you got, we'll... I think Brazil wins. All right. We got a Brazil-Argentina final for anyone who doesn't know. I think Brazil wins at home. Um, I think they have too much depth. And
1: yep. I also am on a personal note with my heart, just don't want Messi to win any sort of international <laughs> play. Yeah. It's, Sorry, it's selfish. No, but no, I'm but just-
0: that that argument, you know, it's like <laughs>
1: If he that's does, it just,
0: it just, you know, then you have the Copa America versus the Euros argument, and it's just that just doesn't take anybody anywhere good. <laughs> I mean, damn. <laughs> but that's going to do it for Episode 63, everybody. Thank you again for listening. Thank you for watching. Follow the social media and check out www.parkinthebusmedia.com. We'll see you Sunday after the final.
2: Vamos brindar novamente O um sorriso na cara está sempre presente O nosso caminho é seguir em frente Esqueço o teu passado e vivo o presente E se for abrir toda a gente da vida do seu coração Tiquiton, 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 Tiquiton Que, 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 que a pátria amada A minha nação dourada Põe pra mim Para tudo não passa a palavra Digo que eu tô aqui Com família e amigos A minha volta pra repetir Cause you faith and no fear for the fight You pull hope from defeat in the night There's a near material you in my mind Could be mad but you might just be right